This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hey there, and welcome to another Manly Music segment of the Survival Show podcast. I'm your host today, Craig Cottle. I'm the director of Nature Reliance School here in Central Kentucky, as well as co-host of the Survival Show podcast. On Manly Musing segments, what we do here is we delve into Manly Musings of me, myself. I'm a man and I can do that, right? What we do try to do, or what I try to do here on the Manly Musing segments is dig into some more in-depth topics, maybe. And I'm going to do something today I haven't done since we started this podcast, and that's, that is, uh, I'm going to get really personal with you today. Personal about my life. I don't, I, I do everything I can to share as much educational material, my experiences, and, and everything I can to put into everybody, but I'm actually, it may surprise you, a very reserved and very private person. And although I do what I can to help people and give everything I, I, I can to people, there's just a certain amount of my life that I don't like sharing with others. But today's topic is pretty heavy on me today in particular. I'll explain for that. Uh, explain that in just a moment. But uh, just before we get started, let's go ahead and check out the sponsors down below. There's several sponsors that we've been utilizing to make sure that we can continue to give you some good content here on the Survival Show podcast. Um, mainly, the big one right now is MSK1, David's new knife designs that he's got out. So check out the website and the link below and see what he has to offer for you there. So the reason I'm coming to you today uh, in particular, and again, this is rather personal, I, I just... I don't know, maybe this is a good way to get some things off my chest. So the, the dog that I had today, the dog that I've had for the last 13 years and eight months of my life, she passed away this morning. And that's rather obviously devastating because we're a, we've always been a really close family, um, me and my wife and my children. And our dog is was part of that family, obviously, for the last nearly 14 years. And one of the things that we don't talk about enough enough in the survival community, in my opinion, is this idea of death and dying. And it goes a little bit counter to what it is that survival is, right? We're just trying to survive. We're not trying to. We're doing everything we can to not die. And I don't want to dig into... What happens after we die, that is a very incredibly personal thing that people have to make their own calls on. Uh, most people that follow us regularly here at Survival Show Podcast know how I feel about that. But what I do want to do is utilize what grief that I've been feeling today and have been feeling for a couple of weeks now, actually, to to go over what is best described as the stages of grief. Because as far as survival training is concerned and preparing ourselves for uncomfortable situations, I think it's worth our while to dive into 
how we handle ourselves in grief-stricken situations. From a survival perspective, maybe it's somebody that we've lost in the middle of a, you know, some sort of event, disaster readiness, somebody dies due to a hurricane or um, in, in general life, as we look to survival training as a method to get us through daily life, we are all going to be thrust face to face with this idea of grief. So what I wanted to do was at least consider, I'm not going to break this podcast. I could probably easily break this up into two or three podcasts. I'm going to keep this one long. Uh, I just think it's worthy of the subject matter. But, you know, as far as grief is concerned and the stages of it, there's several different, you know, theories and methods and ways that counselors and therapists and pastors and uh, intelligent people just in general offer some help for people in grief. And, you know, I did some training on this many years ago when I was getting some uh, some training in this in this in this field, if you will. And it was really interesting to note, you know, as me when I was studying the subject matter to recognize, yeah, there are actual some interesting stages of grief. And if you recognize that people are in a different or a certain stage, then you can best help them. And that's what a good therapist or a good friend or a good parent can do to help people. And so that's what I wanted to do today. Um, mainly because, again, just working through issues myself, obviously. Thank you for indulging me. But in an effort of doing that, I also wanted to do what I can to help you. Because, again, grief comes in a lot of different ways, doesn't it? I mean, it might be that you lose a job. I mean, a lot of people in this current pandemic situation have lost jobs. Uh, there's so much stress. People have, uh, are getting divorced. Um, you know, as one of my good mentors has shared on our, in our Nature Reliance School community, he's a mental health professional, the rate of suicide in this country is skyrocketing and has been for many years now. And so there's any number of things that any of you listeners out there might run into where you'd be dealing with grief. So let's, let's go over these different stages. Let's talk about some ways to at least recognize them. And then you can consider some ways to, to get past them as best you can. The first one is denial. And, you know, a lot of times it looks like something like this. Uh, they didn't actually mean to fire me. Uh, they're going to call me back tomorrow. They'll need me back. Or, Somebody that you know that you love or care for is uh, been diagnosed with a terminal illness, or maybe you have, and you say something to yourself like, this this can't be happening to me. The results are wrong. They're going to do another test, and everything's going to be all right. And that is this first stage of grief, and that is denial. And I, I should have said early on, you know, the loss of a pet that I've experienced today is nothing in comparison, in my opinion, to the loss of a close family member. Uh, I'm not trying to equate what it is that's happened to me to, you know, you've lost a parent, you've lost a child or something of that nature. I just recognize that there is some grief experienced by myself, particularly some of my family members as well. And I want to I wanna try to help us through that as best I can, because you're going to deal with this at some point in time too. So that is our first stage, denial. And 
at that stage, because people were in denial, they do not want to accept the diagnosis or they don't want to accept that they were getting divorced or they've lost a job or they've lost somebody that's passed away or a pet for that matter. And one of the best things that we can do is to actually be with their, with them in that particular situation and recognize, hey, they are in denial. And oftentimes forcing somebody to understand, yep, you've got cancer. That I hope that's obvious. That is not the course of action that we should take. The course of action is to recognize they are in the stages of grief through this denial process, and then we can work through them. Moving on, number two is anger. And this is one of those things where, you know, as far as, you know, you get past the denial stage, you, you have to come to accept it. And so as a, as a species of humans, humans as a species of animal it is, one of the things that sets us apart from wild animals is that we have these, we've talked about the mindset of survival many times, we have all these emotional things that happen in, our, in the limbic system of our brain and the emotional section of our brain that this does set us apart. And we can allow these things to become very debilitating or we can recognize that they're happening and work through them. So think of it, you know, uh, this anger stage comes in, somebody that you know is getting a divorce or something like that, and I, I hate his guts, and, and he'll he'll regret the fact that he ever left me. Or, you know, again, let's consider somebody's got a terminal illness. You know, somebody screams out, where is God in this? You know, why did you know, how did God let this happen sort of thing? And, you know, you just get anger and you get bitter about the situation. You get bitter at somebody and you oftentimes in this stage, you'll take it out. If you're the person that's on the receiving end of this anger, then it can be difficult to see that the person that you care about is in this anger stage and it may be directed at you and you can't, you can't do anything about it, quite frankly. I mean, it's not like you want to get in an argument with somebody in this particular situation. You're just going to, again, have to recognize they are now in the anger stage. And, you know, I've said many times one of the best ways to, to lead others and guide others, mentor, if you will, when somebody is doing something where you feel like you are personally being wronged is to change the situation and focus it back on the, the situation, the issue, or the behavior. Okay. So it might be beneficial to say something like, I know you're angry, I understand you're angry, but let's continue to work through this. We're going to get through this together. Make sure that they don't feel like they're alone because oftentimes anger forces us to separate ourselves from a situation, from a person over that grief. It's the grief actually that is the guiding principle here. And it is this idea of anger that is the, the stage that somebody finds them in, finds themselves in. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Now, stage number three is it? You know, when I was studying this back in school, and uh, when I say I was studying back in school, at one point in time, this might surprise a lot of you too. I was studying to become a pastor for a, for for about a year, and and uh, I just didn't feel like it was what I was intended to do. Now that I have, and this is you know, this is probably twenty man, twenty five years ago, maybe. Um, now that I have the ability to do the things that I've done and I, and I feel like I serve others as best I can, I feel like God's put me where I'm supposed to be. But at that point in my life, I thought I was going to be a pastor and pastoring a church. And so I was studying this recognition of grief and stuff back then very intensely. And this one, I'll be frank with you, it kind of just, it's almost, uh, at, you know, looking at it from an outsider's perspective is like a, when you start seeing this stage of grief, it's to me, it's just a little bit humorous. I got to just got to say it that way. And, and what I mean by that is that people feel very vulnerable and helpless and there's nothing funny about that at all, but they just start making these like bargaining and, and doing things in such a way that they try to buy more time or they try to buy more this or try to buy more that from the person or the thing or the situation that is that is causing causing them so much grief. And when I say it's funny, I'm not saying it's a laughable situation. Don't don't get me wrong. What I am saying is just it's so interesting to see people go through these stages if you know that they're there. And if you recognize that they are in this bargaining stage, I'll give you a couple examples in a moment, then at least you yourself can go, wow, they're in the middle of some, they're way down the pipeline on this grief. And I need to be able to help them because it's going to be, it's going to be a long road. Okay. That's where, you know, particularly in relationships sort of things, this is where somebody starts saying like, man, if I'd only done this, maybe they wouldn't have divorced me. Or maybe if I had done this instead, they would have stayed with me. Uh, as far as a terminal illness again, something of that nature. If if we'd only gone to the doctor sooner, we would have caught this and have been okay. And you know, when I recognize this, you know, within the last two weeks, especially my dog, my dog's been sick for a while, and in the last two weeks, not to get into infinite details about what happened to her, but she she died of cancer, and and she was a very energetic, very lively dog up until about two and a half, three weeks ago. And then she took a noticeable turn um, where she slowed down. And then in the last week and a half, she got to where I was carrying her most places. Uh, she couldn't even walk. She couldn't get off the ground. And any number of things is very difficult on us, right? But I remember... Um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, at one point in time, thinking to myself, what if, what did we do, man? If we'd only fed her better, if we'd only got her some more exercise, you know, don't get me wrong. My dog lived out to the, basically the average, uh, lifespan of dogs of her breed. She was an Australian shepherd, but, um, 
So she lived an incredibly full life. Anybody that knows us knows my dog had an incredibly full and loved existence. And we did everything we could for her. But, you know, it was at that stage, and I'm looking at it from an outsider's perspective at my, <clears throat> excuse me, at myself, recognizing that I was bargaining in my mind. I was in that bargaining stage within my own mind of what we could have done better, you know, just because it's, you're at a point where you're looking at the grief and you just do, you don't want to experience humans don't like grief. I don't like grief. You don't like grief. We don't want to be sad. So we look at these situations, go, I don't want to do this. And so you start thinking about all the ways that you could have done things differently. Now here is where I think this is incredibly positive. And that is if you can allow yourself and again, the loss of a job, the loss of a pet, the loss of a you know, boyfriend-girlfriend relationship rather than a divorce. A divorce is a very serious thing. But the, these sorts of things don't compare to the loss of a loved one to death. You know, I, I just I don't want to make sure I make that clear. But if you're in the middle of a bargaining stage, at least you can look at that situation and go, I don't, whatever it is that you're bargaining for right now, if you have an opportunity ever again in your life to do it differently, then do it. Okay. And what I mean by that is if you're, if you're in a, if you've been in the middle of a, the process of a divorce or you've been in a situation where you've lost somebody you cared about and you recognize, man, if I'd only spent more time or I wish I'd have told her that I loved her more or something of that nature, then if you, if you're fortunate enough to get the opportunity to have someone in your life like that again, then do that thing. Whatever that is, make sure you do that. And I can say to you and to me, uh, all of us that are listening, you've probably seen other people, as I'm talking about these things, you've probably seen other people that have been going through these stages of grief as you think on it. And you've probably recognized some of these things that people have said. Maybe somebody on their deathbed has said something. I wish I had done this. Well, use that as a lesson for yourself. What is it that you can learn from it, that you can take from it, and in that manner, um, moving forward, then you're going to be better off. Okay. All right. So moving on. Stage four is what is best described as depression. And we've talked about earlier in the podcast today about this skyrocketing level of depression. I'm excuse me, this skyrocketing level of suicide in our country. And it's incredible. If you know uh, some really good places and, and I can't think of them off the top of my head right now to get good data on suicide rates in America, then go check it out. Some sort of mental health, research facility or somebody that does something with mental health, check it out. Cause it's, it's, it's quite frankly, it's alarming. And depression is one of the things that gets people to the point where they think suicide is an answer. And so one of the things that happens to us as we're experiencing this grief that we've experienced, no matter what the situation is, is you'll notice in these first three, it's almost like people are separating themselves from their own emotions. And they're trying not to experience those emotions. They're doing everything they can to get over there and keep the emotions over there, which is somewhere else. And so it's almost like a separation of you and your emotions. Well, in depression, um, 
it's it's almost as if this becomes a very quiet stage of the grief process. And what I mean by quiet is that you'll have a lot of head head games going on in these first three stages, and then this fourth stage, you just you're really more than anything else, you're at a loss. And so, understanding that you are now in that stage of depression can at least let you know, or if you recognize this in somebody else, you are recognizing that in somebody else, and you can do what you can to help people get out of it. Um, you know, depression is very, very hard to define, isn't it? And one of the things, again, that one of my mentors has uh, shared with me is, and I try to repeat this often when I share stuff like this on social media and whatnot when I'm trying to help people, is that it's okay to not be okay. Okay, I'll say that again. It's okay to not be okay. We all have these situations where we had to put that smiling face on or that game face or we had to put on airs about ourselves so everything looks fine. Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's cool. Everything's full. I'm great. I'm cool. When really things are not okay, it's okay to not be okay. If you recognize that in yourself and then you can see that, you, hey, I'm in this midst of this depression, then you can start to kick yourself out of it as best you can or seek help. Find a mental health provider that can help you get out of it if you feel like you can't get out of it. And what I mean by that is that let's say you experience this divorce situation. It might be a, a time where you go where you start saying things like this to yourself. Why, why should I go on at all? I failed at everything. Or I'm, not, I'm nothing without her in my life. Or, uh, you know, as far as these terminal illnesses are concerned, what if everything that I've done in this life comes down to this moment in time and it's a terrible end like this? Shouldn't I have done something different? Man, I'm just, I'm nothing. You know, and none of that stuff is true. You know, when we find ourselves in the midst of this depression, sometimes the best thing to recognize is that your mind goes quiet. You start feeling... Um, I don't know if feeling sorry for yourself is the right way to say this. I don't, I don't really don't think that is, but I don't know how else to say it. But you start to feel these, these emotions and you just kind of get numb. And if you allow yourself to stay there, then you can get into a rut and you can't get yourself out. And again, that's why if you're recognizing these about yourself or somebody that you care about, do what you can to help them get out of it. Let them know that they're loved. Let them let yourself know that you're cared about. Somebody does care about you somewhere, right? And if you don't feel like you can get out of that on your own, then do what you can to find a mental health provider. There's nothing wrong with that, okay? And I'll summarize one more time because I think this is really a great way of saying it. It's okay to not be okay. Now, this last stage is where, in the grief process, I want everybody to be able to get to. Again, there's grief is natural you know, that we feel this way, and going through these stages is important to understand. And stage five is acceptance. It's where you've actually accepted the fact that this has happened. Um, you know, you might, st you might start saying something like, hey, I lost my job, but man, it really put me on a path to get a better job. Or... You know, the farther I get along, or the farther I get away from her, the more I realize she was toxic to me. She really didn't care about me, um, and that 
and, and she was toxic to who it is that I am. And now I'm a better person because I'm away from her, you know, due to the, a breakup of a relationship or something of that nature. And think about it this way. Even, even when it comes to a terminal illness or something of that nature where you know somebody's going to die or you know your pet's going to die, then, you know, when you accept it, then what happens is you can get in a position where you have time to do something about it. You know, I was very fortunate with this situation that we were in the denial phase for quite a while until we had some, you know, my dog ended up getting some, some, uh, tumors all the way up and down her spine and these spine and these tumors came up overnight, literally. And then they, and then we get another one every day. And this has all happened in the last week and a half. It was just very, very quick that it came on. And, you know, even last night when I woke up this morning, some of the bumps that were right behind her neck had doubled in size, you know, but we had recognized that this has happened a week and a half ago. And although we were without a doubt in denial about it to a degree and trying to find solutions and, and stuff of that nature, it did give us an opportunity to do something about it. You know, last night, again, I'm, I'm a fairly private person, but you know, our kids had a couple of days at work that were really important days of work for them. And we didn't want to interrupt their day with the news that, Hey, we're going to, we're going to have to take in Cedar to the vet. Um, and one of the things that we were able to do because we accepted our grief and understood it is that we were able to wait and the kids were able to see her before we took her in. And so that was, that was a situation where I'm thankful I did not have to call my kids and go, Hey, Cedar's passed away. You know, they were able to come in and say some goodbyes and love on her and stuff of that nature. And not saying that they were in that level of acceptance in their grief stage, but what they were was me and her, her, their mother were, and it doesn't mean it's going to be easy for us moving forward because we're, again, we had a very close relationship with our family and our dog. But, but with that said, accepting it allowed us some time to do some things with her. Now, there were some things we just couldn't do with her because she just physically could not do it. But I can tell you for sure, the way she loved to get rubbed on those ears, I did a whole lot of that over the last two days. Because that's the way my dog really liked to be petted, rubbed right, 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 you know, right there in the ear and scratching her ear. She loved that. So I probably spent the better part of the last two days doing that whenever I had the chance, you know, making her happy as best I could. So again, yeah, this is a really heavy, heavy subject today. And, you know, as I think, think on my role as a survival instructor, it, it weighs heavily on me many, many times, and often it weighs really heavy on me about my role in helping you as a listener, for those that read my books, for those that read my magazine articles and my blog and, and uh, watch us on the video cast and all the things that go along with it. Um, I take my role rather seriously. And as I, I've said many times before, I'm a statistics nerd. I have a degree in statistics, so I look at statistics a lot. And a lot of us have been doing a lot of stuff for the pandemic right now. And, and quite frankly, there's more people that are committing suicide right now than are dying from the pandemic. And I'm not trying to play politics with the pandemic. I'm not saying that at all. What I am saying is that if we don't consider grief and depression and the things that go along with it, 
then we are looking at the statistically unlikely things that could happen to us. You know, for example, somebody in my family experiencing grief that could lead to depression, which could lead to suicide, is a whole lot more likely than me experiencing a hurricane here in Kentucky. You know, uh, more, you know, that's not going to happen in Kentucky, but a tornado could happen here. But statistically, it's more likely for somebody to go through those stages of grief and into suicide than it is for us to even hit by a tornado here in Kentucky. Okay? So if you look at it statistically, understanding depression and grief and the things that go along with it is probably one of the best things that we can do for survival training so that we can look at those that we care about, our family, our friends, the people that we work with, look around us and see who's hurting, do what we can to help them through it. That way, you, I, and all of us are stronger and better for it. So that's going to be it for me today. Sorry for the man. I know it's a real heavy subject. And sometimes, you know, my wife and I were talking about this morning. When bad things happen, she really gets, she's an introvert, so she really goes inside of herself. And I kind of go outside of myself, and that's part of the reason I'm doing this today, is when I when I feel upset or grieved to myself, I want to do something to help people. So I hope this has helped you. And I know it's helped me to talk about some of these things as I've look at my own self and recognizing some things that I need to work on. And I really appreciate you listening. So with that said, this has been the Manly Musing segment for this week for the Survival Show podcast. I've been your host today, Craig Cottle, director of Nature Alliance School, co-host of the Survival Show podcast. Keep it simple, be positive, and stay sharp. Mm-hmm.